This is the Office Manager Diaries, a podcast all about the highs and the lows of professionals in office management around the world. We'll delve into their career journeys and diaries where they'll share their stories, tips for success and only things office managers understand. Enjoy and please remember to give us a follow. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode in season two of the Office Manager Diaries. It's Hannah Gray, your host here, and I am with someone who I've known for a number of years now actually, and it's really exciting to see her, albeit through the computer screen, uh, Catherine Ramsden, who is the Office Manager for a fintech company in Victoria, all the way from Australia. Hi Catherine. Hi Hannah, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Good. I mean, we're going to talk about the move that you've made to Australia, but it is really, really nice to see. It's been a long time. So I'm delighted that you've been able to join me on the podcast for our second season. As I said last time, when I interviewed with Chloe, who was from France, we are trying to expand. And luckily, Catherine made the move out to Australia, having been an office manager in the UK for a number of years prior to going. Tell us about that move, if you can, please. What made you go and and when did you go? What was that like for you? So we decided to move to Australia, my husband and I, somewhere in the middle of COVID when we were feeling COVID frustrated and my husband's boss announced he was moving back to Australia. We were like, why are you going? He said, oh, we're building a whole new facility for my husband's company over there. And we got a bit drunk one night and wrote an email and said, can we have a job? (laughs) Basically. I didn't realize it was a drunk I thought it I thought it was this well planned out you know long discussion but it was a I mean the best best decisions are often made over a glass of wine or two so so what was it like going through the process well the process took a long time so we didn't hear anything off the back of that drunken email for a while and then one day my husband got called into the boss's office and he was like are you serious do you want to come and we were like yeah definitely and then we had to wait a seriously long amount of time for our visa and to be honest that was probably the hardest thing because we got I think 10 months into waiting and we were like told it would be another six months and we were just like do we really want to keep waiting this long because we'd already done like leaving drinks and everything and put everything on hold basically waiting for our visa to come through and it took it's supposed to come through in March 2021 and it came through in October 2021 we moved in December a long a long process and so what drew you to Australia was it mainly the COVID times and the fact that his company had this opportunity was it you know the sun the sun was there anything else that really drew you there and how did you I suppose when you got there how did you land and sort everything out that needs to be sorted and how did you start the search for for a role similar to what you've been doing here? I can't say that 2021 was um, an easy year. So whilst I was trying to wrap up my job with FinTech in London, I was suffering from extreme anxiety-driven, like COVID anxiety. And I completely lost all my love of office management. And I went into temp jobs that I absolutely hated. But in the middle of all that, I had a very positive time in that I arranged and got married within a three-month period, <laughs> which, you know, when you've got extreme anxiety, is um, a bit of an achievement, I think. <laughs> and then when we got our visa, we packed up our house and moved abroad. 
but whilst we were waiting to pack up our house and move abroad, I got career advice to see how I could get back my love of office management or if it was gone forever. So my career office management, as long as I'm in the office with people and I've got a strong structure, but also a lot of ad hoc tasks, which is basically what office management is, but it had just disappeared during COVID and I just needed it back. So when we got to Australia, I just started looking for roles and thank God for LinkedIn. I managed to get one within about three weeks of arriving. And then I started a month later because I don't know if, well, probably no one knows, but in Australia, there's a big Christmas shutdown. So basically all offices shut for at least, I want to say not all offices, most offices shut for at least two weeks. And I was joining a legal practice and all court shut for a month. So it's a long, long old summer break for them. I mean, that's not a bad thing to be part of, though, is it? Is that paid leave? <laughs> um, yes and no. So it comes out of your leave allowance. And in Australia, you only get 20 days leave for the year. And you have to take seven of those days over Christmas. I actually now work for a company that don't close over Christmas. So I'm much happier about that. But <laughs> but it is quite common in Australia for that to be. <laughs> you know, I didn't realise how bad annual leave allocations were in other countries until I spoke to someone about this mm. in America and how little leave they get as well so yeah we're, we're pretty lucky yeah so we're kind of we're between UK and America so 20 20 days isn't bad but when you're having to reserve seven of those for Christmas that basically takes you down to 13 on the plus side however Victoria gets the most number of bank holidays in the whole of Australia so hooray <laughs> A quick message from our sponsors, the very first sponsors for the Office Manager Diaries podcast. As an office manager, you're likely really familiar with the challenges of organising employee birthday gifts. Individually arranging gifts for every birthday on top of everything else on your to-do list can be extremely time-consuming, not to mention the lingering fear of overlooking someone's special day. If this sounds familiar, then you'll be excited to know that there is a solution out there for you. Introducing automated gifting from CakeDrop. CakeDrop's automated employee gifting solution lets you schedule and automate your employee birthday gifting in one easy-to-use platform that now integrates with over 50 HR systems, including HiBob, Charlie HR, and Bamboo. Simply set up a cake drop birthday plan in a few clicks and your employees will receive a delicious branded treat. Trust me, they are so delicious. I've had many cake drop cakes, um, fortunately, in my time in this company and they are incredible. Get that treat delivered directly to their doorstep on their birthday, wherever they are in the UK. And if you have new starters, leavers or employees that move home, you don't have to do a thing. Your birthday plan with CakeDrop will be updated automatically when you update your HR system. So if you want to save precious time and ensure that no birthday goes uncelebrated, check out automated employee gifting with CakeDrop. Get started with gifts from just £16 per employee. Visit their website www.cakedrop.london and use code THEOMD when booking. Thanks to CakeDrop for sponsoring this episode. 
Yeah, so you are in Australia, in Victoria, mm-hmm. working for a fintech company. What is it like working for them and how does it differ to the fintech companies that you worked for in London prior to moving out? To be honest, it's really, really similar. So when I went for the job interview, even the carpet's the same. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this feels really familiar. Oh, yeah, it's the same carpet. <laughs> Like the exact, like Adesso, is it, or something, the same brand and everything? It just It's the exact same pattern, brand, everything. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't make it up. So you walk into a fintech in London, it's got that carpet. You walk into a fintech in London, same carpet. Yeah, um, but generally the, the culture is fairly similar. So it's very multicultural, which is very typical of fintechs because you've got a lot of developers and a lot of sales and a lot of international reach so we've got offices in the Bahamas Chile Germany UK Australia but then in Australia is also that the office is very very multicultural which is very reminiscent again of the fintech in London um, because the drawdown skills just takes a large range of skill set that doesn't necessarily exist within the country of origin yeah I mean it's it's funny isn't it because it's nice, especially if you, you've got that experience already and you're drawn to office management, as you say, you've, you've worked out that you need that diversity, I suppose, in a role where there is some structure, but then there is also, like you said, this ad hoc uh, set of tasks. But it's, I well, very much at home if you walk in and the carpet's the same and you think, oh, this feels familiar. So, yeah, it's nice to have that diversity within, like you say, the culture and the dynamics of people working there as well. So it probably suits your needs uh, as well somewhere along the way Catherine so can you remember how we met back in 2018 so 2018 I was still relatively new into office management but I just left a really hard job where I was working very very long days I was quite tired and I jumped straight into a job in back in the center of London and I didn't really know what I was doing and your office management forum popped up into my I don't know visibility somehow and I was like I'm really struggling I don't know what I'm doing this job is terrible I've sort of jumped ship from one that was out of control and too busy into another one where I'm like I, I don't know what's going on and I basically went along to one of your first ever social events I think it was and doorstepped you literally like followed you around the room trying to ask advice on what to do next and if you knew any jobs coming up elsewhere I think I was like your little uh, shadow for the evening <laughs> yeah I, I I mean I've got a very photographic memory so I remember exactly where we were stood and who was stood around and things it's very odd but yeah you came to our one year anniversary event at Runway East in Moorgate so we'd launched the portal earlier that year and it was a year since we'd we'd had a first event to tell people about the portal so yeah, that's where we met and you you were like, hi, hi, have you, have you got any roles? And I've read about what you do and yeah, I remember. And and I just, I think either just then or soon after we met, I was given a job to help recruit for through someone that I used to work for, a lady that we both know very well called Martine. And she was the head of HR at the company where you ended up because I was like, actually, yes, Martine, I do know someone that's looking and you shared your CV and we had a good chat and lo and behold, you you got the role. So, yeah. And then we worked on an office move together because just at the time that they'd hired you, I was starting to support their office move. So we worked on that together. So hence, Catherine and I have known each other for some, well, 
yeah, five and a half years, I guess now, because that would have been like September 2018, I think. Yeah. We did our one year. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? So you're new to the role where you are. You've you've been there for a few weeks. You've said to me, I think off air potentially, but how have you found it so far in and what are your main responsibilities there? What does a typical day or week look like for you so far in? So I can only describe the role as like putting back on a comfy pair of shoes. So when I described earlier about having quite bad anxiety driven or job driven anxiety during COVID, is because the job changed entirely and this job has sort of brought me back down to ground where we do have people in the office and people do need me and so part of my tasks are the more sort of fun tasks of like refilling the snack tray and I've honestly never had to refill so many different types of snack in my life (laughs) so uh, if you've ever eaten seaweed as a snack I'm not sure I could do that seaweed with the Chinese different but yeah no I'm not sure about that yeah, so it comes in like a little snack bar packet, seaweed. That was a new one on me. Um, so I do snacks. Um, we do Thursday night drinks every Thursday. So refill, empty the fridge every week. Um, I am their primary travel booker. So I look after all travel bookings for the whole company. And they do have quite complicated travel. I'm not going to lie. Today, I did a multi-stop trip with nine stops and internal domestic flights my brain hurts and there's other things like I run the social committee I look after their monthly all hands meetings I will be doing they've got a wing of their office it's quite a large office that they're currently not using that I'm going to be developing into their training center and basically I was hired to do three and a half days a week so we could scope out how much the role needed so at the moment pending is still health and safety and then this office expansion training center and then other tasks that I just haven't sort of been passed down yet and I'm already up to four days a week because three and a half wasn't enough Um, and that's only four weeks in so it's like a filing cabinet isn't it in your house or like a cupboard in your house or in your office if it's there you're going to fill it so it's like as soon as you go in especially with the experience that you've had and the things you've achieved in your time in the career so far you're going to fill the time, aren't you? And you're going to find other things to do. Yeah. I think it's part of an office manager's job to kind of poke holes at stuff and look in every, you know, turn over every stone and open every door and go, is this being done? No. Okay. That doesn't look right. That doesn't feel right. There's nothing being done there. Fix it. Put something in place. Have you found the same? What's nice is that they've had, I'm going to say office assistants looking after the office for the last couple of years. But what they've recognised is that now they're about 160 in Melbourne now. They actually need the office management expertise and the experience that sits behind that, which is why they brought me on board and we're sort of scoping the role out together to see what fits and what works and what doesn't and what should sit where and basically putting a much better framework behind it whilst I have fun trying seaweed snacks. So, yeah. It, it it stays with you doesn't it that seaweed snack I can tell <laughs> just, I really don't know what I think of or think of it but I really need to try it to see if it's nice or not you're gonna have to do so obviously given the time difference it's my morning and Catherine's evening hence why she said about that nine-stop round trip that she's booked today so I challenge you to try it tomorrow which is Wednesday right so yeah give it a try tomorrow and let us know how you get on <laughs> share it share it on our slack group with a photo or a video 
So how did you first make the move into office management? So it probably started by the sounds of it in 2017 or somewhere like that to begin with. And what have been some of your biggest learning opportunities, bar bar the seaweed, along the way? What took me into office management? So I used to be a PA, TA, team assistant, you know, the normal kind of, or not normal, but atypical background moving into office management. And I just found that I didn't particularly like helping singular people. I wanted to look after everybody, if that makes sense. So I went from being a PA and team assistant and joined a planning company to be their office manager. It was just a little office, 18 people, and they needed their office organising. So back then, the day-to-day responsibilities were being the front desk, the switchboard, answering messages, admitting, welcoming visitors, and then you know, production of reports, organising, managing meetings, and then quality assurance management of um, QA ISO 9001, as it was back then. I think it still might be. And then book, careers, binding documents, arranging travel, etc. So a bit of an all, as is office management, all in one, everything all together. But thankfully only for 18 people because it was literally everything you could think of. I think that's the thing though, isn't it? Like you say only 18 people, but it is very typical that when you're when you're looking after a you know a five to twenty, even maybe thirty person office, you are the only back office support, executive support, business support, you know, I don't really like to wrap it up in too many of these sort of cliche terms, but you are the go-to, you are the person dealing operationally with the running of that business in terms of the physical assets and premises and then you know the virtual things like filing systems processes and so on so you do actually find I think in these smaller businesses startups especially that you often have a lot more to do than you would perhaps in a bit well certainly more responsibility like a wider span of, of remit and responsibility than in a larger office where it's a little bit more sectioned out with procurement and HR and so on so yeah, it's very, very typical. And I suppose you just you found, you know, bar like you say, this this work anxiety that you had, which I, I expect. And I'm really glad you've opened up and talked about that, because I expect that a lot of people had the same sort of feeling in one way or another to different extremes, I'm sure, around that time. I mean, I know that obviously being accessible as I am with the network and everything that I had a lot of people ring me way back when you know it was sort of March 2020 April May the headlines were the office is dead the end of the office and all this kind of stuff and I had a lot of people calling me then about you know is my job over am I going to lose my job or I have lost my job and it was awful and I think you probably weren't alone there so I think it's important that and as say thank you for being so open and sharing because I expect a lot of people have felt the same but it was is that I suppose now especially that you've you've found your way back to it and you, like you say you've slipped into these comfy slippers does it just feel because I know when I think about office management it just sits here like I'm kind of pointing and you can't see if you're you're listening but like to my chest and my heart like it just sits so well with me emotionally I guess because of the passion I have and like you say you don't want to serve and serve is the wrong word but support one person you want to support multiple people and be that go-to is is it your is it your sort of career calling have you realized that oh absolutely definitely yeah so 
the reason for my personal anxiety during COVID wasn't because I was scared of losing my job, but because I got so obsessive with making sure that I knew everything about COVID that I got too obsessive and then over anxious about literally killing everyone in the building by accident by exposing them to something because I hadn't researched you know, like 25 hours a day to make sure it was correct so I a bit like doom scrolling on your phone thinking the world's going to end I kept thinking I was going to kill a member of staff by accident which isn't a great place to be <laughs> and obviously it's never going to be your fault and you can put in all the one meter distancing signs in the world and everyone's just going to gleefully ignore them anyway but that affected me quite badly because I couldn't look up from my desk because I, I couldn't watch people break every single rule that I'd put in place without being fearful of it and just not wanting to go near it so so thankfully we're long past that now but I think if it happened again I'd definitely break so <laughs> I'm much happier doing a normal office and everyone's back and happy and together I think so, there's something in that generally in an office management role you know take take the covid and the risk of like you say killing someone out of it which you wouldn't have been responsible for is you can't control people and anxiety comes from a lack of control right and a lack of the ability to control something that is outside of your control or be able to to move the the goalposts on something that's outside of your control generally and and the frustration around that as well can lead to the anxiety as well. And I think there's something to be said with that in office management roles in general. You just think, if I just say dishwasher to you, you know, God, <laughs> where people don't put their stuff in the dishwasher. Exactly. You know, it's just, I, I was literally in someone's office the other day and they were talking about the dishwasher. And I just said, it's it's literally one of the, the hottest topics in an office management book. Frustration is the dishwasher and the kitchen sink and things like that. And I think that's the issue is you can't control people. So when it's heightened because you've got this risk and you feel responsible because you were people, you know, most most companies turned to the office manager and said, what do we do? Fix it, sort it out, close the office, open the office and all, all, all this kind of stuff. It felt very heavy on our shoulders, I think. And I, and I had the same, right? I was I was working for my client at the time, um, albeit I was on maternity leave, but I was still in touch with them and was there part-time for, I think, two days a week I was doing. And, you know, the same was on me. You know, what do we do? How do, how do we do this? And I had a fairly, I think he was about six, seven months old baby. So, yeah, it, 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 was, a, it was a huge extremely rare hopefully hopefully circumstance and I think again rightly opening up and addressing that because I expect you you weren't alone there and aren't alone I expect people maybe still feel anxiety over certain things within their control or not in the office environment and this this role so yeah so what have you learned so far about corporate life in Australia and what can you tell us or anyone that's listening um, especially if they're in the office management profession, how is it perceived out there? And maybe how does that differ to how it is in the UK? So there's a couple of things. So office management is largely much more sitting amongst the facilities umbrella. And I know it sort of crosses over, but I've never really sat under facilities as a team. Um, but I have, since I got to Australia, been under the facilities umbrella. Um, so that's maybe not 
rare, but for me personally, it is rare. And then the way that jobs are perceived, I think it's improving, but it's still behind where the UK is. And even the EA in my company, she's aware of your forum in the UK and she knows of it and she's LinkedIn posts on it all the time. And she was like, I really wish we had that over here. And there just there, there isn't really anything. The problem with Australia is partly the size in that, you know, I could drive for four hours and I haven't left Victoria. It's just big. So um, the spread of office managers is huge. And if you're trying to get them together, it's literally impossible. But I don't think there's anyone or anybody like looking at office management in the way that it, it it's looked after by yourself in the UK. Yeah, I know of a few. So at the Admin Collective, I think it's called, mm. is Australia-based. I don't know if you've come across them. I have, yeah. To give them a little plug. Yeah, Nick Ginsberg started it, Ginsberg, but um, it was taken over by someone else recently. So that might be something. But again, a lot of it will be virtual, but it's still getting together. There isn't anything generally that does cover the office management profession to the way that we we do. So... I know when I think Catherine had, had not long been out there and she said, when are you coming out here to do what you've done over there? And there's a, there's another lady who moved to Dubai at some point last year. And she was like, Hannah, when are you coming to Dubai to do events? So I better I better get some travel plans in place, hadn't I? <laughs> Might need you to help me on a nine, nine country round trip. <laughs> yeah. So I think corporately, especially since COVID, there's been an appreciation that offices need piecing back together. Mm. But to piece offices back together, you actually need some knowledge and some experience behind that. So I think there's a, a growing appreciation for the role. And historically, I don't know what it was because I've only been here a year. But it does seem to be something that's on the up, I would say. Mechanical and engineering, this is something that comes up an awful lot when we're doing the office management training course. Um, M&E, as it's known in terms of the jargon here for our tip this week, a lot of people aren't aware of the legal requirements, first and foremost, around the M&E. So think about smoke heads, sprinklers, emergency lighting, the fire alarm itself, the PA system, your air conditioning system, so the heating, ventilation and air conditioning, HVAC, as we call it here. Make sure that you know what your legal requirements are, both in leased offices and in serviced offices, in relation to having those tested and inspected and maintained regularly. But also understand where the divide is between yourself as the tenant and the landlord or the serviced office provider. Are they doing the fire extinguisher checks? Are they doing the fire risk assessment for your demise? Are they covering Legionella, Legionnaire's disease, which I've talked about before? Are they covering the toilets on your floor for all that kind of stuff? Are they doing the air conditioning, filter changes or cleans and servicing and everything? Are they doing the smoke heads, the sprinklers and so on? Make sure you understand who is responsible for what, where does that line get drawn? And then if they are responsible for it, ask them, even if it's just once in a blue moon, for their records to show that they are doing that testing. The amount of businesses I've been into where 
they're doing fire alarm tests every Friday at 5am. Well, how do they know if it's Friday at 5am that those alarms are actually working in all the spaces and they can be heard? Because the building management won't be running up and down during the whatever minutes of that fire test going to hear the sounders. So it should really be done in office hours. But if it isn't, make sure that you're seeing the records of that test being done. So yeah, get on their case get your trackers in place if you can for this as well so that you can demonstrate who is responsible for what and when it was last done and you'll be super duper compliant I promise you. It's funny when we were talking about Covid a minute ago and this anxiety in my head I was thinking the flip of that is actually it did do a good thing for the office management profession it did raise the profile of office managers and what we do and actually how much we are relied upon to make you know make shit happen essentially so so you did an office move in your first role once you'd, you'd got to Australia and, and settled in share with us how that went I remember you telling me that it was a bit of a different process to how office moves go here so so tell us more about that how how was it different so it was we were moving from one, from one office whilst the other office was being fitted out much like you do here I can't remember the exact differences except I really struggled with the communication piece and the I'm going to say the site cleanliness during the site build on the new site so I'm used to like an end of day clean down and an immaculate site is left every night and that is how when you're doing an office build that's how the site should look when you leave at night our site was like a dust bomb and I mean a dust bomb there was dust dirt everywhere and even when we bought the furniture in, a layer of dust would sit on that and then a, a new layer of dust would sit on that. And the comparison between the clean down end of day UK approach to the, yeah, we'll clean at the end kind of more laissez-faire approach. I was like, eh? And I kept questioning it. Everyone was like, no, it's fine. It's all good. And I was like, but it's filthy. And it did impact a lot of everything we did for the first couple of months because everything needed cleaning out and the dust layer removing from literally every nook and cranny of that office and even now if a panel comes off the wall the dust falls out from behind it and then doing the office move I think I was sort of caught out a bit by the hot desking world because my previous office move had been like a desk to desk transfer so you had like desk one's going to desk four and desk three is going to desk five and you had this big plan and I made this plan and they were like we don't need the plan because it's just a screen going to a a desk like you're taking a screen off and putting the screen on we don't need to know and I was like no oh, I spent ages making up <laughs> a little bit flat right because I I've done some I mean the, the thing is I think with some hybrid and hot desk working you still have to be aware of what kit's going where and you know because some mm. people need specific kit for specific teams or they'll have two monitors versus one and things but if it is literally every desk is a single monitor and a docking station and charger cables and it's like oh even like the two screen desks it was kind of like well you can just point at it when we get there can't you I'm like <laughs> oh, okay yep yeah sure you don't need the spreadsheet I've got 18 printouts of an A3 spreadsheet that's fine we'll just bin that <laughs> okay but actually it was planning it was easy like I did so much planning and so many spreadsheets and it was just kind of like the much more laid back 
yeah this is fine this this is yeah and it all got done the chilled way the australian chilled way i can't believe that about the dust so why would they want to i mean there's builders clean and then there's builders clean that's taking it to the extreme that's just there was just no daily clean yeah so because i was like literally fresh off the plane i was trying to ask questions and one of the first questions i asked was um how big's the office and they were like oh it's 100 square meters or whatever it was and i was like getting on google how many square meters is in a foot <laughs> oh it's eighteen thousand square feet and they're staring at me like what because <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i could only work out how big the office is if i changed yeah. it into square feet yeah but no square meters is the way forward are you working in square meters now is your brain wired to that or still square feet? no i still google what it is in square feet yeah i can't i can't not <laughs> Good old Google. So now if you can, please, please, Catherine, share an extract from your office manager diary with us. I'll be honest, I don't have a good story, but my most recent story is when I first got to Australia, our receptionist had gone on holiday and one of the members of the staff came up to me and they were like, oh, your facilities and you're British. Can you do a morning tea for us? And I looked at them and I was like, what's morning tea? <laughs> I have no idea what that is and they were like oh yeah it's it's like cake and stuff but you know because you're from England and I was like I've never heard of this thing in my life someone told me what I should be doing and apparently morning tea is basically like elevenses I think where people have a cup of tea and or coffee and a lot of cake no the, the the stereotype there of oh you're British and in facilities <laughs> like what's what's going to be asked of me but and you drink tea what could go wrong and I'm like yes that's the one event I have no idea what you're talking about yeah so so you just need to change it to elevenses and because uh, you'd think that it would be like breakfast tea with the... and yeah but if you say elevenses they stare at you blankly yeah so I was like is it croissants is it this is it that and they were like no it's cake so why do you want cake in the morning but anyway (laughs) is that not afternoon tea I mean why not just call it tea and cake but uh okay morning tea. (laughs) oh it's kind of like the change up isn't it afternoon tea afternoon tea is normally cake for us yeah confusing very confusing they've made that up out there yeah they've made it up I have the odd cultural difference where like when I'm trying to do the food order I do an online supermarket order and the other day I spent ages looking up cereal bars couldn't find anything snack bars still nothing eventually I had to give up and ask a colleague what a snack bar was called and they stared blankly at me and I had to go get one and hold it up and they were like oh a muesli bar and I was like right yeah muesli bar of course it is (laughs) Even if they're not all made of muesli. Yeah. <laughs> Can be made of anything. They're just muesli bars. But I was all I kept getting on my, my search was like breakfast bars. And I was like, I don't want a breakfast bar. I want a cereal bar or a snack bar. But no, muesli bar. Sometimes the online food shop takes a bit longer than you think it's going to. Because you're like, I don't know what this is called. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, you you probably need like a jargon sheet at some point, don't you? Of just the jargon busting of cultural differences, as you say, in Australia. Morning tea, muesli bar and the rest. Yeah, no one knows when midday is. Like literally no one. You say midday and they're like, 
is that around lunchtime? And he's like, yes, it's midday. That's that's 12 o'clock. Do so they know what midnight is? Yeah. Apparently, it's more because Melbourne itself is very much more cultural um, centre, so there's lots of different backgrounds. So it's more the non-Australian people that don't know what midday is. So I'm being mean to Australians here. They know, but the melting pot that Melbourne is, most other people haven't got a clue. So I've had to stop using it as a phrase because the confusion it causes and people not knowing when to turn up has been... Oh, my goodness. So you have, you're having fun with these challenges. So you've had a great amount of time now in the office management profession and we've talked about it a bit already, but you were very active and still are popping up in Slack and, and in the portal in our network over the years. You obviously haven't found anything like that thus far in Australia, but what advice would you give to anyone listening who hasn't yet tapped into a network such as ours and and have got that available? If they have a network available, then why aren't you in it already? Just being able to talk to other people about the experiences you have in your job and also just advice on how to do things in your job is so invaluable because we don't by any stretch of the imagination know it all until you started your office management course we definitely didn't get trained in any of it and a lot of it's just through just pure hard work and knowledge osmosis and you only get more knowledge osmosis by joining a group where you actually feed off other people's knowledge yeah it's, it's true isn't it and I'd like a lot of people I mean, you may have even said it to me as well. I can't quite remember, but so many people when they do find the network or they do see the courses or whatever would say, I wish I knew about this sooner. And I often say to them, me too. I wish I had it. (laughs) I wish I could duplicate myself, go back in time to when I started in my career and have already created the portal and all that, all that stuff. But um, yeah, it is so important. And I, you know, I created my own internal network in the offices that I was in with other office managers and facilities managers there so even if that's what's at your disposal to do and to use and to tap into then absolutely as Catherine said why why aren't you doing it so what are your proudest moments in your career to date what are your highlights to speak of Catherine it's a couple of things so I used to work in an aircraft hangar one of my many hats in different industries and whilst I was working in an aircraft hangar as an office manager, I had to create from scratch uh, EASA graded um, training school for the engineers. So to, to be EASA approved in the aviation world, this is pre-Brexit, you had to meet a number of criteria, including how the room was lit, the type of lighting, the way the TV faced, the spacing of the seats. It was all very exact. And without any prior knowledge whatsoever, I did manage to make a EASA compliant engineering training training school with aircraft hangar by some miracle I've still no idea how (laughs) I'm slightly jealous of that because I have I don't know if I've spoken about it before on the podcast I forget but I have such a love of flying and airplanes my mum was in the RAF and it's just been bred into me so that makes me very jealous that you were hanging around with some of my favorite things in the world being them planes so yeah but also that is quite incredible with with no prior knowledge to be able to turn something like that around is is great so yeah yeah and then I think my proudest moment is basically getting off a plane in Australia and realizing that actually not everything is the same and trying to learn very much at speed how to do everything Australian 
one example of uh, new ones is that in buildings in Australia, the building manages everything from electricity to handymen. So you can get a picture hung, fire extinguisher checks, the whole package. It's all managed by the building, everything. So I sat down to do a cleaning mobilization conversation with the cleaning company in my new building. And they stared at me blankly and they were like, no, the building manages this. You don't have any say whatsoever. It's all building. That's different, isn't it? Because it does vary building to building here. It's very different. Yeah. So you don't get to pick any of your suppliers. It is all building supplied, all of it. You're at the mercy of them. Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder how that goes down if uh, if it's not quite working. So yeah, that was a very quick learning curve and that I was like, wanting to talk to the cleaners about their scope and they were like no you don't determine our scope go see building management bye wow <laughs> the powers suddenly left your hands to to give the office what it needs yeah yeah so I could could have really done with the forum to chat to about that one and how is it working out there with hybrid remote working from home all, all that jazz and what's the culture around that like is it the same struggles that we tend to see here in the UK with getting people into the office it's hard for me to say because I stopped working full-time back in February 2021 in the UK and the two offices I attempt for they did struggle to get people in but the first company didn't in Australia the two companies I've now worked for have no issues getting people in at all People very willingly come in for their designated two days a week. We don't, by any stretch of the imagination, have a full office, but we have a good 70% representation on, I'd say, Tuesday to Thursdays. So it's not bad. It feels lively and you can hear the buzz of the office in the background now and the coffee machine going. And it's it's definitely, there's a vibrancy that's coming back or has come back. Yeah, which is, which is what's needed, isn't it? Especially for people like us who... Do you, do you have to go in every day that you're there or can you work from home yourself? I do go in, but I opt to go in. Um, I just prefer being there. Yeah. It's, it's difficult to manage an office without that, isn't it? And top up your snacks <laughs> and your drinks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it is It is still coming back round to people. You know, there's a lot of companies that have of this year, 2024, mandated going into the office two, three days a week. And we are seeing it, you know, shift back slightly. What is in the future for you, Catherine, as our final question today? What have you got planned now and is Australia where you'll be for the foreseeable future? Well, that's a question, isn't it? We've actually got to put in our visa renewal. So <laughs> we were only granted a two-year visa to start with. So we need to actually put in our renewal for another two years. But we we don't know what the future holds. We may stay for those two years or we may come home or we may go elsewhere. But from an office management perspective, now I've got my comfy shoes back on, I know that I'll be continuing down that path, hopefully, for much longer. Good. Yeah. And that makes me happy, as you know, because I have a slight bias about people staying in office management. <laughs> when you've found it, you know, it's those, like you said, those comfy, comfy shoes or slippers. Well, as I said, it's been a pleasure to see you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with me. And I wish you a good sleep as I start my day. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, what time is it? 20 past nine. There we go. 20 past 10 here. So yeah, a little bit behind, but um, yeah, thank you so much, Catherine, for giving up your evening to spend with me on, on the podcast. 
It's a pleasure. Thanks, Hannah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't leave us just yet, listener. I want to share with you a quick reminder. If you don't know about this, then you absolutely need to have a look into it. And if you do know about them already, it is time to put yourself out there. The Office Management Awards are back for 2024 and we need your help. You can nominate anybody in your company globally for an office management award and if you are the office manager or responsible for office management within your business put yourself forward and enter for an award there are 10 categories to choose from ranging from office manager of the year to international office manager of the year hybrid office manager so for those who are in perhaps an assistant and office management role or an HR and office management role there's culture champion of the year sustainability champion project of the year there are loads to choose from and you can enter for up to two awards this year if you're nominating, there's also the option to nominate your favorite service provider and or suppliers. And we really, really do need your help in saying thank you to the businesses that help you run your business. So now is your time. Go ahead, drop over to our website, www.theofficemanagementgroup.com forward slash the hyphen awards. That's theofficemanagementgroup.com forward slash the hyphen awards entries and nominations must be received by sunday the 10th of march at midnight uk good luck